0: To educate as the practice of freedom is a way of teaching that anyone can learn. That that learning process comes easiest to those of us who teach, who also believe that there is an aspect of our vocation that is sacred, who believe that our work is not merely to share information, but to share in the intellectual and spiritual growth of our students. To teach in a manner that respects and cares for the souls of our students is essential if we are to provide the necessary conditions where learning can most deeply and intimately begin. Bell Hooks, chapter one, engaged pedagogy of her collection of essays, the book Teaching to Transgress.
1: Welcome to season four of Safe Topics.
0: In this series, we're talking about books. And other things. Yes, other things, but we're going to go deep on some books. Not like a full book review, but like a chapter by chapter review, which I guess adds up to a full book eventually. (laughs) Yes,
1: and we're going to talk about anything else that makes us think about how we teach and why we teach. And we want you, the audience, to join us. Listen for details about how to do that at the end of this episode. All right, here we go. So this is, so this is quite a statement to teach in a manner that respects and cares for the souls of our students is essential. um, If we are to provide the necessary conditions where learning can most deeply and intimately begin caring for the souls of our students. Uh, Do you feel like that's hyperbole? I mean, is that just some really provocative language there to get us into this chapter? Or do you, do you take that seriously? Like, like, and what, what does that even look like caring for the souls of our students?
0: I mean, there's a lot more of this kind of thing in this chapter um, that I really appreciate. And for me, it's there's there's moments of that caring for the soul. Yeah. You know, I think when you read it, you could kind of take it at the surface level and then think like you have to really be like doing some deep, deep work all the time with your students. That can be exhausting. That's probably not possible and that might be an intrusion that not all students are going to appreciate. Yeah. You could be too intense with this. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. If you dial it back and you realize there are moments where the soul is really going to be nourished by what we're doing and what we're learning. There's going, you know, I think like the the very kind of basic way we hear light bulb moments, you know, like something clicks, something pops, we feel that. Take that as a moment of like what I would interpret bell hooks as talking about nurturing the soul. Our souls feel nurtured when we see a light bulb go off. Our, nose, our, our souls feel nurtured when somebody says, I never thought about this this way before. Right, right. And so a collection of those moments, that's beautiful. Yeah. But I think we need to really dial back the expectations if we're reading this and thinking we need to be practitioners that are consistently and constantly tapping into those kind of feelings Because I don't even know if that would be sustainable over any duration of a time that a class is going on.
1: Right. Well, it sounds exhausting, right? Oh,
0: Um, (laughs) I'm tired now, right now. Yeah, (laughs) exactly.
1: And I just so and uh, I want to go here just real quick. Just like take this to its extreme. I open a class with how are all of your souls doing today,
0: students? Like I'm not coming back for the second class. (laughs) Exactly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, but I want to parse this, I want to parse this a little bit, because I think this language of souls, for me, at least is, uh, is a little ambiguous. It's a little slippery. I think I know what I mean when I talk about the soul. And especially when you say enrich the soul, that helps me a lot. It, that's that kind of, it's a feeling, but it's deeper than that, right? It's a, it's a, and it's not quite my body. It's not quite my mind. It is that sort of other thing. So, but in the, in, the, with regard to teaching as a practice of freedom and thinking about these light bulb moments that you just described, which are such the best part, right? Um, um, I think of the soul as that kind of me part that is independently expressive, but also intertwined with the community I identify with, right? It's, it's, it is that, that part of me that if, if I'm, if I do have free will, that's where it resides, right? The soul part. Right. And so when I think about teaching and I think about kind of the soul of the class or the souls of my students, that that's what I'm thinking about. It's, it's where are you enacting your, whatever that is heart, mind, or body in this space? Cause that's coming from that soul place. Does that make sense? I'm not sure.
0: That completely makes sense. So sociologists, um, George Herbert Mead, okay? So George Herbert Mead, he looks at the the self in society as having two components, the I and the me. And the I is the subjective part of the self. And the me is the object in society. It's the objective part. So the me is basically like, if you're a teacher, what's expected of me? What's expected of me is to teach, to be a discipline expert, to be organized, to grade, to assess right and, and do all of these different things. maybe to care, right maybe but 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 that's that is part of the me, the kind of generalized way we we think about this that 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 identity. The I is the subjective part of the self. that's the creative part of the self. That's the unpredictable part of the self right So the I in, in, in society the I part of the self is like you, this is the way that I explain it to students. I, I made up this quote here. You always know what's expected of me, right? That, that role, that, that generalized idea, but yeah. you never know what I will do, right? Right. And yeah. so that I is like, that's where you actually get to be innovative and we're maybe where the soul exists, right? The me is there to perform and to conform to what society is asking of us in any given moment, in any given role the i is where we get to kind of play around yeah i'm a teacher but watch me do this right this lesson's going to be a little weird right or i'm going to actually try to get to that soul part so i would say the i is more of the soul and when you were talking about that in defining the soul for myself i think whatever penetrates through that me and actually touches you know that that other part that 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 thing that makes me distinct from the roles that I am labeled. And there you feel it when, when somebody says, I never thought about that in that way before, or thank you so much. You opened my like you helped me open my eyes to this. Yeah. Like that is getting beyond like who I am as a teacher. And it's it's getting deeper than that. And I feel it in a way that's like, oh shit, I did something, you know? Yeah. So, well, and yeah. they did something too in that moment, right? It, but they did something that that made me realize what I helped facilitate. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I. so what do you think that to me, that's getting at what engaged pedagogy is all about. It's and I love that. That's really helpful for me, the subjective and the objective, especially with that language of expectations. So this we students are expected to sit in rows, take notes, do well on tests. Right. But what what a student will do, I have no idea. Right. Right. Right, and same with us. So, our our kind of routines and rhythms; those are important, super important. They provide the, the the scaffolding and uh, for learning. But what we will do within that space, within that scaffolding, we have no idea. And when we do it together, that engagement, um, I feel like that's what 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 Hooks is getting at here.
0: Right, it, it, it's an it's an expression of the I, and she talks about that later, and we'll get into it with with. You know how she talks about being vulnerable in the classroom, and um, you know, really putting yourself—the the the I now part of the self, right? Not just the me, not what's expected of you as a teacher, but who you are as a person. What makes you unique? What what makes what makes you you as a teacher, as opposed to what makes you conform to the ideas we have about teachers coming into the class, right?
1: Right, right, yeah. exactly, and so uh uh so i want to i'm going to go to a, a passage this is uh pretty early on i think it's only like the second page she's referencing paulo freire mm-hmm. and so and i'll just read the line so it was freire's insistence that education could be the practice of freedom that encouraged me to create strategies for what he called uh cons- conscientization right mm-hmm. on, Consciousnessization—I know it's a hard word to say—but uh, base is so so. And but here's the part that just grips me and makes like lights my mind on fire. Translating that term to critical awareness and engagement, right? And so what we're talking about in terms of expectations, this this critical awareness and engagement is both. I'm aware of what's expected. I'm aware of kind of the scaffolding.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: but I can engage in my own terms, my own ways of learning, my own sort of my own wanting to question, right? That right. there's either space created for me to do that, or I've created space for me to do that myself.
0: Go ahead and finish, finish that quote, though. Finish that sentence yeah. from translating that term. Right. So,
1: I'll, so, I'll so translating that term to critical awareness and engagement I entered the classroom with the conviction that it was crucial for me and every other student to be an active participant, not a passive consumer.
0: Right. And this is, this is Ferry's whole thing, right? right. Is, is kind of like looking at how the bank, you know, the, the, just the metaphor of like banks, banking system, yes. you know, consumers, assembly line, right? And kind of like the, the economic, juggernaut of industrialization and then post-industrialization. And like, you know, is that really what we want to apply in our schooling and in our learning? Or is that different? You know, is it like, yeah, we made these systems to be as efficient as possible. Are we looking for efficiency? I think this is a question we have so much. It, It may be the biggest source of cognitive dissonance in my career is the efficiency versus effectiveness, and can we accomplish both? Do we accomplish both, or am I lending, you know, uh, priority to one over the other for the sake of the mission? Yeah. Which the mission is, is, you know, to me, it's to educate. But that might not be the mission of the institution at the time, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing because we are very conscious that people want jobs and want want. To um, you know, provide for their families and, and themselves uh, in terms of resources, yeah. and at the same time, the intellectual pursuit that that made me <laughs> made I wait <laughs> I and me. So that, <laughs> you know the the thing that gave me the strongest I, yeah, to, to be critical of those me's, to be critical of those roles, to be critical of the objective and and that subjective inquiry and and curiosity came from a liberal arts education. Yeah. It's tough.
1: Yeah. Well, so, you know, this passage goes on to point at student participation as sort of the salient expression of that critical awareness and engagement. So, and Mm -hmm. if students aren't actively participating, then we're not really practicing what Frary is calling us to practice. We are inside of that. And so you said, you know, well, maybe, maybe the institution doesn't allow for that, that education sort of the, in other words, that it's more, it needs to be efficient. We need to be seeing them getting to these outcomes.
0: No, I'm saying some of the initiatives don't feel like that is the priority. That's the
1: priority. Yeah. I think within our classroom, sometimes the textbook doesn't allow for that. In other words, like I want my students to be actively participating but in two weeks, we have to move on to the next chapter or we're never going to get to where we need to go.
0: And so. Right. And so. The, what about an A through F A-F grading structure? Same thing. Right. It exactly. gets in the way. gets in the way. Right. Exactly. So to
1: what extent do we really and I, and I want to ask this authentically of, of you and myself, like to what extent do you embrace student participation? And, and I just want to sort of let, let me just read read this other passage here. Same paragraph. Frary's work affirmed that education can only be liberatory when everyone claims knowledge as a field in which we all labor, right? I have that quote too. Cool. So like in your class, to what extent do you fully embrace that? And can you talk about moments where like you simply can't like because of the institution or the system or whatever it is?
0: This is something that I don't really have a big challenge that I face, like I, for me, you know, and having enough conversations with me, I think you would attest to this. I accept it all. Whatever anybody says, whatever, whatever somebody contributes, you know, I validate the fact that it was said, the fact that it's a contribution, right? Yeah. But I never really feel like there's a limit to that. I've definitely been challenged when you know certain parts of my practices have been challenged and and my ego got in the way of me like realizing there was a better way to go about this there's that but as far as like embracing the the engagement in the classroom well there's engagement and then there's disruption so you know if 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 conversations are going too long and they're being disrespectful to speakers i think as a teacher i'm also showing like modeling and and pushing along like we need to, okay, we need to wrap this up so that we can now pay attention to people who are trying to speak and, you know, being respectful of that because here, the workplace, in any other intellectual endeavor, any relationship you have in your life, you should stop talking and listen, right? Yes. Yes. And, and there's appropriate times to do both. So when I think about Frary's work, affirm that education can. Uh, only be liberatory when everyone claims knowledge as a field in which we all labor. M- my thing is like, I can't get enough of it. That's what it is. Like, it, it, I I, I talk, about, I, I'm there with my students. And I'm like, okay, more, more, more. Let, like, let's keep grinding on this. What else are we thinking? What else is there? And then there, th- there does come a point where you deviate though. Yeah. And then you just dial back, right? So, I, I think that I'd like to think that my classrooms have that feeling. And, and it's kind of like when I come into this podcast and I, and I start talking with you, a lot of my other things in my life go away. We have these kind of spaces, right? Maybe you surf, maybe you practice some martial art, maybe you work out, maybe whatever you do, there's a place where all the other places go away. Yeah. And you can kind of just zone in on this. I'd like to think my class is that at times, yeah. but obviously not for a full session, not every single time. Right. right. Where are you at?
1: Well, so I, so I love, so, I, you know, there, there's some, the imagery in that line, knowledge as a field in which we all labor. So yeah. you know, I'm seeing like, you know, your backyard with all the or- orange trees and stuff, right? Where, mm-hmm. you know, we get in there and all of us labor to shape it, cultivate it, plant new things in it, right? Um, and so in my class, I do that with certain con- concepts, right? So for example, like the concept of a thesis, you know, like not just a, a sentence, not just the thesis statement, but like a thesis or paragraphing, like like you know paragraph structure. And the way that that looks is early in the semester, I'll just sort of have a moment where it comes up or or whatever and I'll ask like what do we think of a thesis? And if not a lot of students are engaging, either because they assume they already know or they just aren't ready, I say, "Cool, we're not there yet," and we'll, we'll delay it. We'll 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 work with writing and we'll work with focusing statements and we'll work all that stuff. We'll continue mm-hmm. to do that labor, but the concept of a thesis, we leave there, right? We're we're not ready to till that soil yet. We're not ready to sort of cultivate that yet. But when we come back to it, right? Um, we'll come back to it later, and then what you said earlier about light bulb moments, we generate those together, right? And, and I'm willing to leave things um, even undone. Like we may get through the whole semester in English 100 and, and never have a formal, this is what a thesis is, if we don't get there. Um, that doesn't mean that thesis a thesis is not in their papers and they're not working with it. It's just, we as a class never engaged in that way. Um, so there are a couple of things like that. But I also think sociology and English, I mean, these disciplines may lend themselves to that a little better than others. What do you think?
0: I mean, obviously I can't speak for other disciplines, but I I do, I don't, this, this is something I think can be applied anywhere. It's just going to look different. Right. And so when we say like, (laughs) as a field, in which we all labor, Uh, you know, everyone's claiming that knowledge. Look, I'm not even going to go into specific examples because I don't want to um, encroach upon other people's disciplines. And and every time I do that on the podcast, I feel silly because I start using terms that are like, I know my... You know, it's like a shake my head moment for my I, colleagues in STEM or my colleagues in no, whatever. I, I
1: didn't want to set you up for that. I no, I
0: no no no, I get it, but I think that I I, I think this can resonate, you know, and, and let's be where where are we at Bell Hooks. Yes, Bell Hooks is is in the same discipline as you, right? And and we see a lot of the professional learning being facilitated, being generated, but the collaborations. Are usually this collaboration we're seeing right here. It's a sociology letters thing. It's a, and I'm not saying it's a thing just for us. I'm saying we're the folks that are typically in the position to do the facilitation of these things. And that that's just data. Like that, that's just a real thing. Most teaching and learning centers are run by by folks in in letters or in the social sciences or social and behavioral sciences. Right. That being said, I, I do feel like, um, you know this, this here can be applied by any educator, any person, really, right? I, I I think this goes beyond just what we do in the class, and therefore is applicable to all.
1: Well, I had a again, and I don't want I'm with you, I don't want to speak for our math colleagues, our, our science, our STEM colleagues, etc. Uh, but my own experience as a student, I can speak mm-hmm. that. And I was a I was a math major, English major for a long time, ended up Taking a minor in math because they are like two classes I didn't quite get to. But anyway, I, <laughs> one of my fav, I'll say favorite math teacher, but the the math teacher that really engaged my thinking, um, my being in math the most. His move was to ask anytime we had a question his his move was to ask us what we believed. Right. Well, so if we had a question about you know certain properties, he would ask us you know do we believe in and then he would sort of lay out some postulate or some theorem or whatever and yeah. we would well yes yes we do believe that that is that is something i believe in for sure okay and then he would move us to the next so it was this like dialogic it felt like we were we were work, we were laboring together right and he right he, if we didn't believe then then we knew where the where to go like it wasn't just in other words he didn't say it like this you should have learned that in pre-calculus, or you should have learned that in the reading before class today. He was willing to engage that 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 cognitive, but also that kind of soul. Yes, I feel that. I feel that about this mathematical move. Okay, now I'm ready for the next. Take me where where we're gonna go next, right?
0: Yeah, I I, I love that. And and that is. That is doing justice when you're, you're you're speaking from that student that that memory, and, and just that the memory is so vivid, that you have details to that memory, you know. We, you gotta think about that when you have details to a memory, right. how powerful is that? Yeah. What what it's so meaningful, right? And, and those are the kind of things. And and what's interesting is I, I've had students come back years later, right? And I'm sure you've experienced this too, and a lot of our listeners have. And when they, when you talk to them, they remember a moment. And they're pretty detailed about it yeah. and you don't really remember it, right? Because it's, <laughs> you've had a lot of Diary. teaching Diary. or maybe you do, maybe you do. But, but either way, that to me is kind of talk about affirmation, right? Sure. It's like, but what, what, what's so special is when they not only say what they got out of that, but they also remember the feeling of contributing to that. Yeah. And I think that's really what bell hooks is talking about, right? Absolutely. Is, is that, that right there is the deeper work is the contributions that they have. Yeah. So, well, that leads us into this idea of praxis, yeah, right? Go for it. Did yeah. you want to say one more thing before no, we went no, no. to
1: that? No, no, go for it. Praxis. I, back to it. Go um,
0: I like this definition, action and reflection upon the world in order to change it. Yeah. Now, as a sociologist, I this is one that I have a lot of trouble with, um, not because I, I don't think I, I actually engage in the praxis, but it's because to what extent I do that is really my own academic freedom on display. And what I usually do is I want to explain the social world. I want us to think deeply about the social world, question it as much as possible to learn as much as possible from many different perspectives but then it is your decision what you want to do with it so for me the the in order to change the world part the action and reflection boom all day but the in order to change it my thinking about changing it is that facilitation of a learning environment it's not The dictating or indoctrinating, if you want to go to an extreme, or even influencing a certain way of approaching social issues—it's just can you really understand it much better than the surface level? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, no, no doubt. Okay, I want to tell another math story.
0: Okay, (laughs) and this in one day.
1: I know, and this wasn't what I was going to say, but this is what you made me think of. So this is. This is later, this is upper division math uh, coursework. Uh, it's a math theory class. I'm at university at this point, And I don't have a super close relationship with this particular professor. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and this is a fucking hard class. Like math theory is, you're writing essays. You're, you're not working equations. You do, but those are part of your essays.
0: <laughs> I don't like yeah. any of this.
1: Uh, yeah. So anyway, and it's like, show that, you know, Every time you add any two odd integers together, they will always be even like just show that for any, you know, it's that kind of stuff. So anyway, it, it, there's this moment where we're, we're taking an exam, we're pretty deep into the semester. And there's this concept that I, I have the concept down. Well, at least I'm thinking about this concept in really generative ways, but I don't have all the logical moves down yet. I'm not experienced enough in like inductive reasoning and or proof by this or that. And so I turn in this exam and and I get a pretty, pretty bad grade on it. But the professor writes, come see me in the, in the comments. So I go to office hours and we have this conversation where he says, you're, you're making me think about stuff I haven't thought of before. And here's where you're doing that. And he kind of lays it out like this, this is insightful, like this, you're connecting this. And then he moves to. But it doesn't make sense the way you're doing it like you need to stop you need to realize you need and and so he's helping me with the logic but at the same time we're having this conversation almost as equals about just what is possible when you think of this and you think of that and i don't remember any of the specifics Um, um but to your point earlier I think the reason I don't remember the specifics is because I do remember engaging in a field of knowledge with an expert and feeling affirmed in that like I was contributing and I was needing to learn some things but that was also my professor's experience he was contributing to me helping me with the steps but was also learning something too in this really cool exchange
0: right there's there's such an important dichotomy but once again the details in the memory you say you don't remember much about the thing but yeah. the thing wasn't the important part well the thing well, it, it was important it was a catalyst it exactly. was it was the thing that got you to the moment that you remember in detail right right and, and part of the problem there is i didn't go on to continue to
1: major in math so the language of math just like any other language you you have at one point and you're fluid in but don't speak forever like oh, i've man. lost the i've lost the vocabulary. Right, but but just to, to just to loop back to that to this praxis and your your example of you know what does it mean to change the world and, and kind of through this engaged pedagogy that is a a practice of freedom, I felt in that moment that I was kind of changing the world of math in a good way, right? And and you know what I mean, like with yeah yeah, the professor yeah. in that context, I felt like if I had it was one of those moments where like, if I stick with this, I think I could really contribute to the shape of how we think about math. I just have to practice my logic shit. (laughs) You know what I mean?
0: (laughs) But you didn't. So, but, but but you didn't, but if that, if you were to talk to that professor today, bring them back to that memory, bring them back to that moment, say like, but the problem was I didn't, I didn't keep going now I'm doing this. And you explained exactly what you're doing now. That professor is going to be so proud. Like, they're, they're going to feel that, too. They're going to be like, wow, like, like there's a reason we had that conversation. The same way that you're saying there's a reason we had that co- conversation. Okay, after all of this talk about praxis, then uh, Bell Hook starts talking about Thich Nhat Hanh, the late Buddhist monk, Vietnamese monk, and the his philosophy and his idea of the teacher as a healer. No, this is also with the soul's language. I think this is where a lot of people can get turned off, right? right. To to the book, <laughs> to to these ideas, because it may be in a language that is like softer, or maybe even not softer, but so you know, uh, removed from the way that you feel you should be thinking about your job, right? Right. And and, and I think that's okay. Yep. I just think if you change the language a bit, you always find that there's agreement somewhere, right? Yeah. Maybe it's not the soul, but you're having a light bulb moment. Maybe it's not you're a healer, but you are removing your your your. <laughs> I don't want to say saving, but you are you're taking them away from ignorance. You know, like you're you're, you're like you are revealing things to them, right? Or you're helping them get to those revelations. Um, what do you think about that language? The teacher is a healer, and 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 is there any point for you in your career where you were like, no, 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 yeah? And then and then you kind of like woke up to, well, actually, or have you kind of always embraced being a healer? Like, what do you think about that?
1: No, no, no. I I I thought pretty early on in my my career as a teacher. I need to separate these things, like my understanding of ideology. uh, So let me say it differently. Let me separate my ideological perspective. Let me separate my spiritual practices. Um, Let me separate all that stuff out of the classroom and just be this. Basically, what Hooks is critiquing here, I'm just going to be a mind in this space.
0: Separating the eye. You're taking
1: that eye out. Exactly. This was me early on. And 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 my reason for this, and I and I and I still grapple with this, I I don't have a way to sustain this for my students beyond my classroom, right? So if I'm gonna play a role of healer or even some kind of like moral or ideological compass, I'm a one point of many along their trajectory through college and let's say something significant happens, I don't have the capacity to sustain it like I, I don't have that re- responsibility or I don't have the role or the responsibility in their lives. Hook speaks to this, right that they they by healer she doesn't think she doesn't mean that we should be a therapist for them right um And so I think there is validity to that that reasoning and, and that caution like we should be careful how if we if we really do embrace the healer role in our classes to what extent because, how long can we be there for our students, and how many of our students,
0: right? Absolutely. And for me, you know, she doesn't. She doesn't really kind of um, position it this way, but it does make me think a little bit. And and, and neither does Tignan Han. Uh, but when you think of yourself as a healer, yeah, there's kind of like a deficit-minded thinking there.
1: That's yeah, interesting that
0: someone needs to be healed.
1: Right.
0: Right. Yeah. Which is the person that you're teaching. Yeah. Um, and, and it goes into, we also need to heal ourselves as we are healers um, in our practice. So, so understanding both of those. Right. Um, and uh, to me, I would stay I, personally, professionally, I steer away from that kind of language because I don't think it's uh, you know, I don't think it's palatable to all uh, faculty kind of audiences right and it may not even be palatable to all students but as you know later later in this chapter you you you, you hear about these situations that we're clearly going through at an alarming rate of um, you know students battling mental mental uh, issues mental health issues and you know then it becomes kind of dangerous for us to say we're healers, right? The, yeah. Right. It, it takes on a whole new level of responsibility that we are not trained for. That's not appropriate. Yeah. But if we look at it as we're part of the many different things yeah. that can help enrich someone's life and in that way heal them from whatever, or, or, or elevate them from where they are now to a place they want to go willingly, then I think then, then, then you just a little turn of phrase and and changing up a couple of words there. uh, I'm all on board, but it, it, I feel like now where we are, it's a little different. And and I wouldn't use that language to describe what I do or what my colleagues do.
1: See, I love, I, I think, and, and Hooks uses this language too of enrichment Right. And that and I, that's how I think of of if I am playing a role of a healer, that that is the how I do it. What I hope will happen in my class is students will feel their lives, their minds, they're enriched. Right. Um, and I don't think that that does take a deficit model. I think you can be completely in a good space and still be enriched. Right. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: So I want to I, I want to take us to just this quote um, um, from a uh, 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 um, so bottom of 14, um, the line starts, his focus on a holistic approach to learning and spiritual practice enabled me to overcome years of socialization that had taught me to believe a classroom was diminished if students and professors regarded one another as whole human beings, striving not just for knowledge in books, but knowledge about how to live in the world, right? And so that gets back to that kind of, teaching as a practice of freedom, teaching as a pra- as a resistance, right? So challenging the structural norms of a classroom space to get to this place where we can engage one another in that eye, on that eye level. And And what I, I really like about this is the emphasis on knowledge about how to live in the world. And I think that that's really inspiring and exciting to me because it means, for instance, what I said earlier, maybe in an English 100 class, we never get to the. This is what a thesis is: explicit definition. And there's some classes where that just hasn't happened, but we've lived thesis throughout the entire semester. And they're walking out of my class, practicing thesis claims, thesis like like cohesion, in lots of different ways. And in another class, they'll read a textbook and go, "Oh, I I know what that is. I've been doing that, right?" Um, and so that that distinction between knowledge that is sort of fixed and wrote and part of that assembly line, you know, right? Or I don't even care what the word is, but you're living it and, and you're contributing to it and you're getting it and, and exa- et cetera, right?
0: You know, every single thing I do in my introduction to sociology class I make it about the application to the real world and not my application. I ask them how they can use it. Right. And and that's how I select my content. That's how I, you know, think about my activities and assignments that these aren't throwaways. These are things we're going to use and we're going to use a lot of them every day. Um, That way, if you don't remember the social scientific terms, but you know, the approach, that you're learning because you're more aware of things in the world. And that awareness, awareness is a really tough word for me, right? Because I I actually don't like it in a lot of ways because people are aware of a lot of shit. We're not doing anything about it, you know, like, but, but the things that we do something about, we're not just aware, but we care to, to take that next step. And and so, you know, with what you're talking about, I, I do feel like that that whole human being and, and and about not just knowledge, but how to live in the world. That's a big emphasis in my class. And I think when I, I just always when they when they contribute something and and just making sure that that's validated, when they email me and they say, "I'm gonna miss class. I got this or that going on. Well, first off, it's great that they're approaching me and they' and, and and I'm honored that they would like share with me what's going on in their life, right? But then that part there, responding with, I, I, I would try to say something to the effect of like, wow, that's really important and certainly more important than our introduction to sociology class, right? And that is really just getting to, look, I see that that's your life. Please prioritize that. Yes. This will be here waiting for you or even waiting for you next semester if we have to go to that level, right? right? And, and, and so that to me is, is part of that. But the other thing is, I know students are really on board with all of this when they start giving me recommendations
1: oh, yeah. and
0: they recommend like a movie or a book. And they're like, you would really like this. Right. And my first thought is kind of like, how would you know? Right. <laughs> but then the next part is, oh shit you must know me right,
1: right and then
0: that is kind of like we are being whole human beings and they're being whole because if i was just some static me objective teacher right that that generalized expectation they wouldn't be able to recommend shit to me they don't know me like what, what how, why would they think i like anything like or dislike anything before we started recording i've been taking jujitsu classes
1: oh yeah
0: and i and i and i told curry i was like Brother Curry, you would love jujitsu. And I I gave him a sell. I, I was detailed, gave him all these different reasons, had him nodding his head along, had him thinking about it, you know, time management. And, you know, he's got a busy schedule and everything. I understand. <laughs> but did you feel like oh, when yeah. I explained it to you that I knew you?
1: Yo, of course. You're hitting me right in my fields, right? Or oh, you like to like, the soul. Yes, exactly. <laughs>
0: And I thought of you, you know, when I'm going to these classes, I'm like, these are good teachers. Curry and I could learn a lot from these folks. Yeah, anyway, that. that, that, and that goes to practice, right. That goes to what we're going to get into with the, uh, the big yeah. word self-actualization. Right.
1: That's right. That's right. And so before we, before we, we kind of, so to wrap up, I should say, yeah, uh, I, I, I'm really challenged by, and I brought this up last time, like, I don't want to just read this text and sort of like take the good, fun, like exciting stuff and then leave the hard work behind. Right. And she has this line. She has this line, page 15. Progressive, holistic education, engaged pedagogy is more demanding than conventional, critical or feminist pedagogy. Right. Uh, For unlike these two practices, uh, teaching practices, it emphasizes well-being. That means that teachers must be actively committed to a process of self-actualization that promotes their own well-being if they are to teach in a manner that empowers students. And so I, I, I when I read a line like that, I'm really challenged to think about, okay, it cannot just be that I believe, that students should be active participants, or it cannot just be that I have a certain like progressive ideology that I'm I'm sort of talking to. Mm-hmm. There has to be this praxis. There has to be, right? And so there has to be a process for me as a teacher where I'm reflecting, where I'm asking students for feedback, where I'm not just teaching the same exact thing every time or even every week for two classes that I'm, you know, teaching at the same time that that this is hard work, right? That, that to, 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 to embrace engaged pedagogy. Um and and there's another, so this is the last thing I'm gonna say, and we can go wherever you want to after this, but there's another real challenge to this work, and it's if I really position my students as active contributors, I sometimes have classes that are quiet and boring because those student participators. It's, just for whatever reason, maybe they're just quiet thinkers and a lot of them are like that. So for them to be actively engaged in the class means we do a lot of writing. So that, I mean, there's a lot of that they're saying, they're just not saying it out loud,
0: mm-hmm. which means
1: there's a lot of time for me in class where I'm kind of sitting there waiting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I do. Yeah. And so I just want to acknowledge that part of this, that I, I, I've never, you know, and, and, and engaged pedagogy has been part of my thinking for all, a long time in my career, I've had super exciting classes where I feel like we have a special relationship and I've had classes that have been boring and and even made me sad. Um, This is not like a solution to always having great classes, I guess, is the point I'm trying to make. And and it's work that I'm constantly doing and rethinking and, and challenged by.
0: What? A great class is not a game show right exactly it's not just like the cheering and the good feels and the you know good jokes a great class you might leave there like kind of fucking bummed out
1: yeah
0: it's kind of hard yeah. you know yeah. we, we were really challenged today I'm drained and I don't particularly feel good but I feel like we did good exactly you know and so I want to go back to that line in that quote you just used. Engaged pedagogy is more demanding than conventional critical or feminist pedagogy. Yeah. Let's start with critical pedagogy. This is my definition of it. This is in my notes. Yes. So I, I, I this is the way I define it as a practitioner: teaching and learning that does not separate the goals of education from the goals of social justice. That's the way I'm going to think about critical pedagogy. Okay. And yes. feel free to disagree with these audience, Curry, anybody. Yes. Feminist pedagogy, um, teaching and learning as an investigation and interrogation of power structures that promote and perpetuate privilege and oppression. Those are my definitions for those. Yes. Um, And thinking about how engaged pedagogy is more demanding than those two. I know. Wow. That is a demanding practice because those two enough. You can make a career and tire yourself out by doing that 40 hours a week. Right. If it's more demanding than that, there is something that I think is really important to consider. That's right. That's- releasing, releasing control. That's what it is.
1: It is. It is. And to do that well, when, and again, I, I read that as inclusive of, not like exclusive, right? Hooks is saying, Critical ped- pedagogy, feminist pedagogy, these these pedagogies that implicitly or explicitly move to uh, critique oppressive systems, right? Oppressive power structures. So, engaged pedagogy is inclusive of those things. How how do you do that and position students as agents of contributors to a field within a field of knowledge? And always be critiquing oppressive power structures. I mean, the move itself does that because we are authoritative and our classroom structures are systems of power. So to simply position students as agents, we are critiquing that and and sort of dismantling that. But, and I said this, I think in the last episode, whenever you create space, you create space and folks will occupy that space with Mm -hmm. their own ideologies, their own, right? And so this is that deep relationship work if we're not going to sort of bat students down in other words and say like no you can't say it like that no 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 that's not what we believe no 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 not change the way you're thinking if instead of that it has to be this deep relationship work where they trust us and we trust them so that if we do say shit like that we now ask we say well hold on what do you mean by that and can we get some other voices in here to respond with that and and can we tr- can let can we trust each other that we're here to learn and listen, keep coming, keep going. This is hard. This is getting really hard. This is getting really frustrating. How can we move to maybe the page or move somewhere else? So this is productive. We need to pick this up next class. That's the hard work, right? That's just the, yeah. So.
0: And for a lot of us, I got to tell you like that, a lot of what you just said there kind of comes naturally to me. And I know it comes naturally to other people too. But, but there's still a lot of work to do to, to kind of hone that and to really make it great and, and to do it consistently because obviously I'm not consistent with it all the time. and you know what I mean? But those kind of things, I think what is what really affirmed and confirmed my, my, my choice to become a teacher, because those are the kind of things that I, I just, that's my go to, right? Yeah. But I, I gotta say to do that effective, to do that well, to do that in a way, that is consistent and, and that is intentional and also um, ready for the spontaneous, all of those things. Actually, just to plainly do good well. How about that? To do good well, yeah. you must have this feeling of what, what we're gonna talk about next. You, you have to kind of be inching toward or running toward the goal of self-actualization. If you heard anything in this episode that has you thinking about how you teach, why you teach,
1: or if anything made you feel joyful or even mad, like you just yelled at your dishes or whooped while you were walking your neighborhood.
0: I've done those things.
1: (laughs) Then we really want to hear from you. You can find us on the Twitter at Safe Topics. Let us know how you're responding to today's book stuff, like what did we miss, or what did we totally get right, or what questions did we raise for you.
0: And best of all, how are you thinking about your teaching and students?
1: We'll update what we're reading, so you can read along if you want, and your feedback will shape our discussions as we go.
0: We may even read some comments in the episodes to come. And not just the nice ones. Safe Topics is a safe setting for dangerous topics. That's right. If you like this episode please rate and subscribe we've never really asked people to do that before
1: i know i think it's cool though we're ready to be rated and subscribed it
0: yeah and big thanks to kelly burnett and the rest of the safe topics team for editing producing promoting and all the other wonderful backstage stuff you do
1: <laughs> and thank you for listening